0: Hi everybody, I'm Kai Savas here. Uh, welcome to a brand new All Access that's gonna be part of our uh Home Music Media Musical Midsummer Matinee series. Um here with uh two amazing guests. I'm here with Chris and Elise Willis. Chris, Elise, uh, so nice to see you guys again.
1: <laughs> Great to be Great here. Great to
2: see you as well. Yeah, so
0: it's it's been a while, so I I would love to kind of start uh, you know, with uh you work together, but you also work separately. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, we will start just getting to know each of you. And if maybe each of you can go take turns, uh, I would love to know kind of your origin stories. What was kind of like the, the point in your life where you really uh, found music? It kind of became more than just a hobby. And you decided, okay, this is going to be more than just a passion or interest. I'm going to turn this into a career. So I'm just curious, kind of, what were the points in your lives where that happened? <laughs>
1: hmm.
2: You can start. I'll go first. <laughs> uh,
1: well, of course, it, um, probably most people with a career in music would agree it's hard to pinpoint one one time because it sort of comes and goes between seeming likely and seeming unlikely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, um, I started um, piano lessons and getting really into music when I was about seven or eight. Um, and I joined a church choir, which is a very kind of rural English thing to do. I feel like everybody, like I've talked to Dave Buckley, Harry, Rupert, you know,
0: everybody, Henry know, Jackman, Tom Lewis, all I of you guys. <laughs>
1: uh, now, unlike a lot of a lot of those guys, I I didn't end up in some uh, very posh uh, cathedral, um, <laughs> which, which a, lot of they, a lot of them did, you know, singing at a very high level. I just did it
2: i'm yeah. gonna just sneak in here with this oh, oh there we go oh <laughs> i have it ready to go at all times yeah you do i'm ready i'm prepared
1: that's so t- <laughs> you're the, so cute the, the thing about that is i'm so i'm so old <laughs> like for doing that kind of thing you
2: yeah, have an excellent terrible. neck for the collar <laughs>
1: uh, uh, well,
0: excellent
2: neck. have <laughs> a very long neck it's well suited well suited yeah <laughs> I want to make sure that people really yeah. get the full... That,
0: that'll be the thumbnail for the
1: whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, actually, it is a really good... It does give you a really good musical grounding to be... I, to b- be I'm sure, from. yeah. Um, uh, I still remember the, uh, the organist was a guy called Philip Cranmer, who had retired, but had been a big um, editor of, uh, of music publications and things, but had retired to to rural Sussex. And I remember learning a little bit about a figured bass when I was only a little kid from him, and trying to sing the tenor part instead of the soprano line and um, little bits and bobs like that, which definitely sort of sets you off on that, on that path. Um, yeah, so I, I got really into classical music some time when I was a teenager, I was it was very vague. Set of musical interests until then. Like I was listening to a lot of Queen and just watching lots <laughs> of movies and just sort of, you know, whatever. A lot of lot of little kid obsessions, a little Django Reinhardt phase. <laughs> um, uh, but um, yeah, heavily into classical music. And I was and I and I went to undergrad in Cambridge, which is a very kind of old fashioned, classically based. Um, bachelors, um, so I didn't do anything relating to film, and I I thought for most of that time that what I really wanted to do was be a pianist, and mm. then I, so I went to the Royal Academy of Music to study the piano, um, and was I was a pianist for a few years in my early twenties, um, but um, the the it kind of wasn't quite what I had expected, you know, the 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 reality of just travelling around on the train and. Doing a little recital and then traveling somewhere else on the train, um, was 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 um, there was definitely something missing, and uh, I went, I sort of started to think that it was probably composing music, but I actually went back to college again because I just wasn't sure. So I actually went back to Cambridge again and did a a whole bunch of postgrad work in musicology, oh, wow. culminating in a PhD. But it was really um, Cambridge was sort of fulfilling that that old-fashioned uh, role that academic places do of sort of taking confused scholars in. Yeah. You don't necessarily know what it is you want to do, but you kind of you kind of come back to the... the That's very
0: rare. I don't think I've known other doctor, composer.
1: Really? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, while I was there, Doesn't I just... Did... Doesn't
2: he know it? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: At least it's like, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a very i should say i when i finally hit on coming to hollywood and doing film music i found I felt like i would found my my people um i don't think i was a particularly good academic my, um, my whatever. um but while i was there as a postgrad in particular i started really getting into movies and movie music and learning more about it buying computers and stuff and i, and I remember kind of teaching teaching undergrads tutorials in my uh, room in my house, which you were allowed to do in the 90s. I imagine you're probably not now. Um, (laughs) My room gradually filling up with gear, with tech gear and computers, and having these conversations about Rameau or Scarlatti or Handel or whatever across, you know, a bunch of synthesizers and stuff. And the students gradually wondering, what on earth are you doing? Why? (laughs) Um, You're teaching us about Rameau, but you clearly have um other interests um anyway eventually um i i, managed, I got in touch with rupert gregson williams and i uh, i got a job uh, with rupert um and so i very quickly jumped from cambridge literally kind of cobblestones and riding around on a bike in cambridge i, I moved to santa monica to um work with rupert who was based at hans Zimmer's place um right right then um and, uh, it was very, very humbling because, um, yeah, I knew, I knew a lot about Ramo, but I didn't know anything about
2: Oh, Ramo <laughs> most... getting three shout outs yeah. so far today. Um, <laughs>
1: so I really had to sort of, um, had to sort of forget uh, everything that I thought I knew and, 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 start again. And I was, I started in a very junior place, at yeah. Rameau, learning, learning about movies and spotting and music, editing and programming and Cubase and. And um, you did the the whole additional composer route and working with a bunch of amazing composers, and I mean that's just been your main education, you know, as well. You know, that's right. I, I I moved around between Rupert and I worked a little bit for Harry, his brother, and for Henry Jackman and for Carter Burwell, um, and I owe them all a lot actually. They they all taught me uh, a lot of different things. Um, yeah, and I owe Rupert a lot for, for taking a chance. I'm still not quite sure if it was slightly rash of him to give me a job on the strength of my very, very weird <laughs> CP at that point.
0: I think Rupert has good
1: taste. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just thought it would be funny to see what would happen.
0: <laughs> no, well, we, least... we got on,
1: I got on really well with Rupert and, and uh, there was a sort of bond, I think. And, and we kind
0: yeah, of, uh, no, you guys had a really good we did a lot of great work together. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um but I'm curious at least what is uh what's been your path? How, how did you get involved? Uh, has music always been a part of your life? Did you find it, did it find you and when did it become a a career? <laughs> hmm.
2: Did it find me? Hmm. Maybe. Um yeah, I I think in some way it was always a part of my life. Um my grandpa right there. Uh he was um. uh, very he's very musical. Uh grew up playing uh, violin and trumpet and was a real crooner like you know real oh, like wow. 20s 30s like we have recordings of him in the probably 40s and uh, sounds exactly like a Bing Crosby type yeah you know? just
0: got that he, mic he, right here and...
2: <laughs> exactly yeah uh you know come on along come on he... <laughs> that kind of stuff and yeah like that whole vibe yeah uh so he he and actually his mother also was a singer so there oh, was okay. definitely something in our blood totally skipped my mom's generation though
1: <laughs> really no
2: musical talent there but uh that's good I benefited from yeah. that Uh, But yeah, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa growing up. So I think his influence was really massive, watched a lot of uh, old musicals and um, listened to a lot of classical music. Yeah. And then I I think I started doing community theater when I was like seven, eight years old, started piano lessons when I was six. So right around then I was sort of, you know, at least starting to get interested in a lot of different things. Uh, And then I think because of him, I started violin when I was nine. I moved over to viola when I was 13 and uh, played in orchestras and sang in choirs and did theater, a combination of all the above throughout school. Um, Even into college, I kept playing at UCLA, which is where I went to school. Um, And uh, yeah, I feel like though I didn't have a great sense of exactly what it was that I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted music to be... major part of my life in some way so when i went into college i initially thought that i was going to mainly be a uh, teacher so i actually was a music education major and um, i have a sort of complicated story with ucla that is probably a whole separate (laughs) therapy session rather than this but uh suffice (laughs) it to say that um some things happened some drama went down Um, And it forced me to kind of reevaluate myself and like my own worth as a musician. Um, I think a lot of people, and actually Chris too, like a lot of people have stories of professors and teachers kind of putting them down or, you know, saying you're not gonna do much of anything. You're not gonna have a career because this is like the one single path that I know to be successful and that we want our students to achieve so we can put it on a brochure and say look at what we did and uh, there's not a lot of like wiggle room or creative interpretation for what a successful career could look like and so yeah. when so when i was in college i actually didn't even know that session singing was a career path that someone could take which i think is amazing considering especially that we were a major school in Los Angeles, which is kind of a recording capital of the world, especially for film and TV. So yeah, it was um, uh, really the master crawl, the LA master crawl that kind of, you know, got me going in the right direction. I was incredibly lucky that I got into the group um, right at the end of college. So I went straight from college to singing in the master crawl. And that was really my only like foot in the professional door aside from, you know, my church singing job and Christmas caroling. Actually, I shouldn't laugh too much about Christmas caroling because I've met some of the the most amazing singers and singers that I still work with on sessions doing Christmas caroling. So you never really
0: know. Yeah, I wouldn't, I couldn't, I mean, if you love singing that much to go singing door to door, you know, (laughs) with the strangers, I mean, you really must love singing to do it. (laughs)
2: Or you're really broke. One of the yeah, two. Uh, <laughs> no, but it was, it was really good experience early on, especially. Um, but yeah, Master Corral, uh, I met a lot of people who were doing this kind of work or just doing like different kinds of work and being successful as singers in different ways than I was presented as an option, like a viable option at school. And so, uh, once I kind of found out that this career existed, I was like, oh, you mean all these things that were sort of um detractors or negatives when i was in school like wanting to sing different styles and being versatile instead of just being an opera singer or being like a good student and being an intelligent musician and being a good reader um and so you know sight reading is not necessarily a skill that is dwelled upon in, um, in yeah you know, educational settings. So, um, all those things that I actually was good at were suddenly like, oh, these are actually the skills that you need to be a successful session singer, or then eventually, um, contracting with Chris. Uh, A lot of the skills that I learned as a education specific education major were skills that I could then put into being a contractor. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I think I tried to keep my options kind of open and, learn a variety of things and not be too stuck also just in the musical world, but trying to be a good, well-rounded student. And I think that a lot yeah. of those skills ended up paying off quite nicely for for what I do.
0: Absolutely, I mean, you're absolutely killing it. Like, I mean, you're you're on like the biggest movies coming out and Chris is killing it, like doing all these amazing series and you guys working together. Like, so yeah, let's focus on the together part. How, how did you two meet and uh start working together I mean I'm curious about that story uh
2: yeah well, well um uh I'm, I'm sure that you'll guess this from looking at us but we met in a gym <laughs> we met
1: in a swishy Santa Monica gym
2: for the two <laughs> least likely people to <laughs> meet in a gym <laughs> and yeah.
0: probably the last place yeah, that, that
1: you want to meet a guy on, you know, <laughs> yeah. adjacent uh, uh multi-gyms no we weren't
2: uh, yeah, on treadmills next to each other like, yeah, hey, yeah, nice biceps. Yeah. That is not what happened. Uh, uh,
1: she was working on the front desk and I was sort of um, hauling myself in. It's actually just around the corner from remote control. And I, um, I if I didn't go to a gym, I was going to just literally fall apart. Um, <laughs> I spent so much time indoors. Yeah. i and, uh, and eating, that's not that's eating right. and not getting any exercise. <laughs>
2: Um, Yeah, so I literally just graduated from college, and uh, that was my part-time job when I wasn't doing music, and he came in, and there was like an instant spark, and uh, I gave him a tour, and he asked what else I did, and I said that I was a musician, and he was like, oh, me too, and I was thinking like okay everyone in la is like a musician or whatever. right <laughs> uh but then he started talking about um the music history stuff like knowing music history professors at ucla and because he didn't tell me that he had his phd from cambridge and <laughs> maybe had a
1: sense that it sounds really terrible when you tell anyone in la that you're a musician so i and i remembered some some of the faculty at UCLA from my bibliography so side was like, oh, I think like Elizabeth Le Guin is there, right? And, and the, that was like a way to be not, apparently not not a lunatic.
2: Yeah, it works. You know. But then I like I Googled him after he left and I was like, oh my God, he's like written music for all these huge films and- Oh my
1: God, he's written additional music for two
2: films. Well, <laughs> I wasn't in the industry at all at okay. that point. It was kind yeah. of a big deal. Um, but then literally he would come into the gym and we would talk about like Fugue and Counterpoint at the front desk, like really nerdy stuff.
1: I started going to the gym a lot. I went a lot more yeah. than I expected to. <laughs> yeah.
2: And Rupert would be like, how's Elise? Yeah, everyone back at remote <laughs> like
1: Control would be like, oh, I, I'd be like, oh, I've just got back from the gym. Yeah, I just got to
0: get <laughs> to the gym again for another workout. You know, post-lunch yeah, exactly. push, you know? <laughs>
2: um, yeah. But then uh, the real answer to your question is that I was, like, literally moments away from asking him out this one day because we've been flirting for weeks and weeks. I was and being a bit English. Yes, sort of, so slow. Uh, and I was like, it is so obvious that we're into each other. Uh, yeah. And instead, he asked me if I would sing on some library tracks that he'd written. That's a,
0: um, a, that's a big, idea. big first move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Rupert was like, you should get get that girl at least to sing. Hey, on that. you wanna um, you wanna
0: you wanna sing on yeah. some library <laughs> tracks?
2: <laughs> like, throw her a few bucks. If she's terrible, then we'll replace her. And if she's not, then great. Good job.
1: This was in the era of those like <laughs> those those Barana um trailers that we're all yeah, afraid, the three the singers yeah. on my library tracks were Don Lewis, Rupert Gregson-Williams, and Elise <laughs> then Marchand. Um, yeah. uh, R- Rupert and Don came in and sang, sang tenor, um, well kind of yelled tenor, because everything yeah. I wrote was ridiculously high, and then Elise came <laughs> in and sang uh, all of the female parts.
2: I mean, I was basically auditioning to be his girlfriend, right? Yeah, I, that's exactly. If what I'd been mean. terrible, like, this never would have worked. Right. But, that <laughs> I mean,
1: but he,
2: it was like a fast 5'8, a fake Latin language. I was singing all of the soprano and alto parts, going up to like B's and C's. I mean, she was great. And sight reading also. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was you know, I had to prove myself, but I think, I think I did okay.
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, we're
2: still together, so I guess yeah. I did all right. Um, <laughs> it's still out
1: there, that track.
2: Um, yeah. It is. It is I'm going I'm
1: to I'm text and ask him if he remembers.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's amazing. That's what an incredible, yeah, origin story. So, uh, I I'm, mean, I'm, you know, my wife and I are completely different fields. She's in public health. You know, I work in animation mm-hmm. and, you know, do stuff like this. So I'm curious as... You know, husband and wife, and working in the same field. What? Did, when did you take that? You know, you start off kind of working together as a first, you know, kind of first date, essentially. But um, when? Uh, when did you were really, like, okay, let's actually do projects together. Let's do like big projects and work on shows together. Was there any hesitance of like, oh, is this going to like, what if something we disagree and get in a fight? Is this going to mess up our relationship? Was there any hesitation before doing that, like, and really kind of buckling in and becoming like kind of a, a duo, a composing and songwriting duo?
1: Well, the singing—just you singing on my things—that just carried on right from that that date. Very, yeah, yeah, always, didn't it? And the yeah. contracting—you um, started contracting. Yeah, on. well, well that's I think. Interesting, yeah. Well,
2: so when Chris started doing the Mickey Mouse shorts, um, it became apparent very quickly that they were going to be needing a lot of random things or random singers yeah. and and very specialized uh, skills because they are set all over the world. And you know, it's unlike other shows where there wasn't just like one musical palette, right? Every right. three and a half minutes is a totally different thing yeah. with totally different needs. And so um, I think one of the very first episodes that they did was this yodeling one. And this is before I was involved at all. And I think the, the good people at Disney TV Animation uh, who are such great people, but have so many shows on their plates, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they had to try to find these yodlers.
1: A male and female yodelers. Yeah, to and sing it together. just
2: I think it it was quite difficult and took a lot of time. And so after that they were like, Hey Chris, did you say that your wife is a singer? Do you think that she could do this? <laughs> um and so I was like, Yeah, I'm ready, let's do it. So that just sort of happened organically. Um yeah. and then
1: And you and she killed it too. I mean, yeah, she needed to find some very specific people and sh- and she was already really, really clued up and, and hooked into the, the whole of the master Crawl, I guess was her sort of bread and butter, but then he, she already well, we knew have, a lot of other singers. We have a great
2: singer community, yeah. so just tapped into that. But, um, but then I think as the show sort of evolved too, there were uh, more and more bizarre needs and more and more heavy lifting that the music was doing, especially as yeah they were starting to really see what Chris could do and what he could bring to it. And then the songs came later, but just, mm. you know, there, there were just a lot of opportunities for us to kind of collaborate, or at the very least for him to bounce ideas off me, if, especially if there was something that was a little um, American for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. that's, I mean, honestly, the reason that we started doing songs together at all was because there was like a bluegrass episode of Mickey. And, the, and it was basically one giant song. It was, if I may brag about him for a moment, it was <laughs> completely structured and like the timing of the entire episode wow. was the song that he sketched out. Uh, it was really like heavy lifting that he had to do and he killed it. Um, but some of the lyrics were a little Gilbert and Sullivan-y. Yeah. <laughs> And I was the, like, I'm from Central
1: California. Step aside, I got this. The whole of the, the so, yeah, Mickey Mouse really um, is how we got into writing songs, um, and we were just fortunate in a way that that, it, that the show was, it, it had this unusual status that it didn't it wasn't set up at the start with a songwriting team and a composing team because right. nobody really knew what it was. It wasn't a 22-minute sort of um, absolutely standard. Disney TVA show was this. Yeah, can you, ex-
0: can you explain what those are? Like, because like, I don't maybe people don't understand what the Mickey Mouse and the world
1: of Mickey Mouse is. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, well, I, sh- I guess I should just say, so yeah, there are so many Disney shows that have a, a 22 minute footprint, you know, a TV yep. half hour and there's a song in every episode. And so at the very start of the show, they cast a composer, but they also cast a, a songwriter or a team of songwriters. And that's the sort of foundation on which the show then then operates. But the Mickey Mouse shorts um, were only three and a half minutes long. Right. Um, yeah. And they came about through a, a sort of um, combination of forces. There was a there was a, a Disney wide desire for something new for Mickey Mouse to do um, that came that came from Bob Iger. Um, and so many different bits of Disney proposed things that you could do with Mickey Mouse. Um, and several of those may end up, have ended up happening, but the one that they chose, appropriately for Mickey, because he has this sort of, you know, low status, blue collar vibe originally, <laughs> yeah. is that, is that um, to make these little cartoons, you know, this, this sort of smaller, plucky bit of Disney, Disney TVA, um, and in particular, Paul Rudish at Disney TVA came up with this idea, let's make these little cartoons that are very close in humour and spirit to the very, very earliest ones exactly Which it's requires, like going back to its roots yeah the old ones are surprisingly strange so if you really just if you really just commit to doing a lot of the weird things that they did you come up with something very very bizarre you know let's have the characters speak in in foreign languages when they're when they're in another when the episodes are set in another country and let's yeah let's be completely and utterly no holds barred about what you can do physically you know you know people splitting themselves in half and, and 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 floating up in the air and playing you know cow's teeth as a marimba and stuff yep yep um, but yeah so 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 those those are the mickey shorts and um yeah gradually it, there were more and more occasions for songs and and sometimes i would write the song with one of the, the one of the directors and sometimes i would write the whole song myself and would feel a bit like this is weird, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then gradually, um, uh, Elise, I just, I've just found that I was bouncing more and more ideas um, off Elise, who, who I, I think you've mentioned this briefly earlier, but Elise, you know, really grew up with um, uh, with, with musicals and with movie musicals. Um, I love all that stuff, too, and The Great American Songbook, but I, I don't know it the way, the way she does. Um, actually, one extra detail I was thinking when you were talking about Jimmy, her, her granddad, is that he actually ran the movie theater in, oh, yeah, wow. in Baltimore in the town that she grew up in. So there's really awesome. sort of sort of showbiz vibe in your family, mm. I think. There's just a sort of a sort of know-how somehow. So I was just bouncing things. I just seemed silly not to be asking her about things, and I mean, really, I, I was showing things to her and feeling that she was going to be my you know, if she liked something then 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 that that would she would I'm not gonna say that she'd be my fiercest <laughs> critic, but that, but that you know, I uh, sort of sort of found yeah. myself mentally writing all these songs for her. Um
2: No, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, but
1: then it, it, then on the Homes for <laughs> Melody my, my lyrics were so English and sort of Python esque. Um, um I needed, needed a bit more twang. Um and it sort of just grew from there, didn't it? Um,
2: yeah our next assignment was another mickey song that uh they asked they're like do you think you could stick a couple of puns in here and we were like oh ho, ho, challenge accepted right. uh yeah. yeah there are a lot of puns <laughs> songs. but um yeah it, it's interesting because it, going along with what chris is saying about like the show not being sort of normal in the sense of like knowing in advance that every episode is going to have a song and and in those cases like those songs are usually written way far in advance of the composer getting to it right because right. they have to animate to it and have the actors record it um, a lot of times the stuff that we do uh, is I wouldn't say it's an afterthought necessarily but it's not at the forefront of um, the like early creative discussions. And so uh-huh. uh, so a lot of times we've gotten into situations where Chris is actually just spotting the episode to do the underscore. And there's like a minute and a half of silence. And we're like, what's going here? And they're like, a song. <laughs> and we're like, who's writing the song? They're like, you are! In the same <laughs> amount of time as like scoring it, you know, just wow. like. It's, so it's been a little yeah. crazy. We've sort of dealt with like every possible scenario in which a song could appear
1: (laughs) because they've totally they've i think sometimes it hasn't been a song in their attempt track until a late stage when someone said hey wouldn't it be hilarious if this was like a 90s disney power ballad um and someone else says oh yeah that would be hilarious let's try it and then they just and then yeah that's only three days before the spot anyway so they, they they we then find out with almost no time um to actually do it wow so do you guys
0: like even have like a if I were to ask like what is the process or the approach for Mickey Mouse like is there one like do you have like a structured kind of like way of approaching an episode or a short I mean and when it comes to songwriting do you already is there a process or is it just completely different depending what the episode is and what uh what the task at hand is or what the style is There's
1: characters it doesn't just change just every time doesn't it from one to another and it's yeah sort of, um I,
2: I mean, mean I would say though yeah. generally speaking we sort of brainstorm about you know what it's going to be about, or if there are like some keywords, like try to get the title mm, of the song, yeah. Um, yeah. or just or like a key emotion or something. And then, generally speaking, because especially in these cases where it has to fit in with this thing that's already timed out, and we need to try to make it look like they animated to what we did as opposed right. to the opposite way, then usually Chris is doing like the heavy lifting first on the music side you know, figuring out, um, the tempo, figuring out, like, you know, we, we might like, like this one duet thing that we did where like Mickey and Minnie are ice skating. And so it, like we needed to try to have it look like it was choreographed to the dance. So like moments where like the scene changes or like comes to some sort of visual climax needed to coincide with the structure of the song. So just, just trying to say like, okay, well at, you know 34 seconds in this section we have a change so like that's where we need to go to the bridge and then like 12 seconds later is the chorus and you know so then wow. he he kind of like puts that together i'm sort of brainstorming lyrical ideas but then usually he kind of structures it out first and then i slot in lyrics and then we'll kind of go back and forth until we get to a place that we're happy with
1: there will be a lot of very weird and embarrassing versions of it in the In the meantime, you know, because if I've got half an idea, an idea of how the title of the song might be in the chorus, but I don't know anything else, then I just have to sort of sing it to her with like (laughs) that bit there, but everything else is just. (singing) (laughs) (laughs) Even record versions of it where I go, and verse two goes here, and Elise is going to write (laughs) it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so what do you guys wow. like?
0: i mean i work in animation as well i work at cartoon network studios so i i understand the process we do 11 minute uh episodes uh sometimes we'll do sure. a 22 minute special uh, if it's like a half hour special and we do long form as well we're, we're doing long form as well but i'm curious what so so they are you working off an automatic like is uh, the characters just kind of doing the an idea of what they want and you're just literally just trying to fill in the, the structure is already there and you're just kind of filling in with the music and the song
1: it's very, um, as Elise said, we've, we, I feel like at this point we've done every possible iteration. Yeah. Um, so if the character is going to be singing, then on screen, then they'll get in touch, you know, around the time that they have an animatic starting. Normally, they've realised that there's going to be this song, right? Um, and before it gets too um, too far, they want me to, to 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 start looking at it and and, and see if we can come up with the song before they get any further. Mm. Um, but yeah, there have been times when they've realised the best thing to do would be to start talking about the song even before they animate anything. So where all they've all they've done is a sort of story outline. Um, but then yeah, if, if the, in this in the case of this winter special with this big Disney duet that we're talking about, um, it's off screen um, singers. So Mickey and Minnie are ice skating, and it's just being sung like, a like a montage. So in that case, yeah, they 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 let us know very, very late on. It was, it was everything was fine. completely locked. Yeah, wow. so we just had to, had to fit in with it.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, amazing. So for Homespun, um, the the one with the pig, um, which I'm I'm the little pig, by the way. <laughs> I I did the scratch track for that. I'm like, the pig. You sound like a pig. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I the, am the pig. Yeah. I'm the pig. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, that, that was a nice little uh, gig that I got out of that. Um, but with that one, yeah, there was a the story outline, but they hadn't actually sketched anything yet. And so, like I was saying, Chris sort of was responsible for the entire pacing of the episode because he wrote the song yeah. before any anim- animatic or anything existed. Um, what
1: they said actually was, was okay, there's a, a bunch of song at the start and a bunch of song at the end, and then in the middle there won't be, there'll be this this montage. We're pretty sure about that. So. Try and see if you can get each of those bits to be about a minute or a bit more, and then and then we'll have the bit in the middle. You know that's three minutes, and and I, so I was allowed to overshoot slightly, which I did, and then yeah. that's that's what we ended up with. Yeah, but yeah. As Elise was saying, once you've got those two musical bits, you've, you've you've locked in the shape of the entire episode. So yeah, um, credit to them for fitting in with what I did as well.
2: Well, and then I was going to say, I'm carried away, which is the one with all the puns that was an animatic and they'd already yeah. sketched out all of the moments that they wanted to hit. And so, um, so all the puns and stuff in the song were also like done to what was happening in the animatic.
1: They, which, had, a, they had a scratch song and they had yeah. mini just, you know, lip flapping. But it, I
2: think, yeah. I think, if I may say so, if you were to watch that you would think that they sketched to what we wrote. Totally. I, think, I, I think we did a good job of making it seem like it was the other way around.
1: That's mostly- Talking about Math. the puns. Oh. <laughs> uh
2: <Yeah>. teamwork. <laughs> Hunting teamwork.
0: Hunting uh, teamwork.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just it really uh depends. There was another song um in what was that, Once Upon an Apple, which is one of the Wonderful World episodes, which is uh, seven minute shorts, but same kind of of right. the short shorts. Um, where again it was like uh mickey was on screen but he wasn't actually singing so the song came to us fully animated um and we and we wrote and recorded this was this is insane it was just so much work but we ended up recording the vocals mickey singing on the morning of january 6th and the song is like you know this happy-go-lucky the words are literally like what if the world just helped each other? We'd be sharing our hearts with one another, and we were all like, "This is the best day ever!" And I texted and, my um,
1: and Chris D. The voice of yeah. Mickey was was absolutely killing it. He did he some ad libs at yeah. the end that had us all on cloud nine by the end of the session. Yeah, so like, wow. I texted
2: my family and I was like, "We just had the best recording session with Mickey," and they were like, "Um, yeah, turn on check, <laughs> check the news." <laughs> so well, that was a weird day. It was a very weird day. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, we sort of have done everything, but I I think. I don't know. I I think the main challenge with us, like working together is just being comfortable, being vulnerable with each other and like showing, you know, like Chris was saying, like sending me stuff when it's not formed yet. That took a lot of work and prodding, you know? Yeah. I really really can't help. I can't get in there and help you if you don't like send me stuff or share where you're at. Like, I don't care if it's done, like, it's fine. I just need something to work off of.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's
2: very much like I don't want to show you anything until it's ready. So, totally. Yeah, because I'm used
1: yeah. to I'm used to doing that. And what I was finding is that is that in general I think I'm quite a nice person, but I'm quite I'm very <laughs> I'm sort of savagely hard on myself. Sure. You know, I'll do a thing and sort of decide that it's absolutely terrible. I mean, i not I don't need to say out loud, but that's what I'm thinking. And I may even change my mind later. But those 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 waves of sort of criticism. You have to decide if you're working completely in tandem with someone you have to decide do i just start saying all that stuff it might not even be right yeah or do i I not say it and then i don't quite know how we're going to communicate with each other so uh, yeah it would be wrong to pretend it was like you know easy peasy it's it's um... yeah no, I can yeah. I can relate because yeah, you're, you're. I mean,
0: as a married couple, I mean, I'm. My wife knows more about me than anything, and it can be emotionally vulnerable at home and and everything. But then when it comes to like creative stuff, it, it's almost like a different. It's like, oh no, no, no wait, hold on, like, because um, you're almost scared of being yeah judged or something like that. Even if it's somebody That's as fair. close, you know, like if you guys are as close as you guys are, but um, it's yeah, it can be a different thing. Uh, creative
1: vulnerability creative. versus. If we think yeah. we've got something to work, I mean, you know, another funny thing is when you, whenever you've made something yourself, you never quite look at it the way you look at other people's things, right? You, yeah. you it always, you always kind of remember all of the, all of the worry that you have had, and oh, could there have been a better note? Yeah, should it have gone up or down there? Um, but even despite that, I think it's a really great feeling when we, when we reckon we've done something that we, that we like that Still holds yeah. up, but we definitely did together absolutely.
0: And I mean, and uh, uh, Mickey the Mickey Mouse shorts
1: are amazing. I mean, you do
0: so much work, both of you, on them, and it's just like they, they're they just awesome because they feel like classic Mickey and they just you know, bring them to a new generation. And uh, and you know, I grew up watching silly symphony and looney tunes and stuff like that where i think you know the the you know current slate of uh animation is maybe not so music centered and not structured around music in certain ways and and i think it's fantastic because you know i grew up on fantasia and stuff like where it's just like visuals Mm -hmm. and music and zany things and you know it's it's great and i want to take this opportunity to move it over to schmigadoon because that is another just incredible uh accomplishment from both of you and at the i mean you got to work on this amazing show um i mean you have created by uh ken dario and Cinco paul directed by barry Sonnenfeld, with amazing cast a lot of you know snl uh cast members and comedians and writers and and so amazing color palette and cinematography and choreography and so first of all I tell agree. us tell us what schmigadoon is because people may not know what it is it's on apple tv plus i think people you know should definitely seek it out. Um,
1: and then, how did you guys get involved with this? <laughs> it is. It's a. It's a. It's an amazing show. People should get Apple TV Plus just to see Schmigadoon.
0: Yes.
2: Um, also, like Severance. And-
1: Severance
0: and- is yeah. pretty
2: great and too, television. actually. Yeah,
0: and yeah. Tele- a lot of good stuff. Just get Apple TV Plus. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um,
1: well, the premise of the show is that there's a Keegan um, Michael Key and Cecily Strong uh it's, it's the real world, it's now, um, yes. it's the present day. Um, and they are in a relationship that's sort of just okay. And they go on a sort of couple's retreat to see if they can make things better. And they get lost in the woods and find themselves in a town where it appears to literally be a musical. The people in the town don't realize they're in a musical, but it looks like an MGM soundstage in the fifties, and it's very sunny, and okay. they break into song yeah. all the time, and uh, and they're stuck there, and they 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 have to try and figure out uh, how to. They can't grow.
2: they can't leave until they discover true love.
1: And they try leaving together, and they and, and it doesn't work. Just sends it back
0: in. And just letting listeners know, you guys have a, a brand new puppy. So that's what you guys are hearing. <laughs>
1: Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no worries at all. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are dealing with a uh, new puppy uh, uh, onboarding. So. <laughs> so you might hear a little, little sparks in the background, but, but no, continue on uh, dune. I mean, so how did you guys get involved? And what was, I guess the, how early did you get involved? Because it is a musical. So, I mean, when did you get involved and what was the process of working on this project?
2: Uh, Well, the interesting thing is that we actually got involved completely separately. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. um, Yeah, so uh, that's. Let me just say that is De Niro. His name is De Niro Niro because he has like standoffs with his own reflection uh, in the window. Also, (laughs) in the water bowl, he like will slap at the water bowl because he sees himself. I'm gonna. I'll try something clearly really, really well <laughs> um well let's just try let's, that. Yeah.
0: We'll, ro- we'll roll with it
2: oh no boy okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yes uh, uh schmigadoon uh i mean you worked with this amazing cast and crew uh and, and you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys get home? I'm like, hey, I got a new gig. He's like, yeah, me too. Wait.
1: <laughs> the two most uncool people in LA because they were looking for people who are really into the 1950s.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I was brought on by Jasper Randall, who's a contra- vocal contractor extraordinaire, um, works a lot with uh, Peter Rotter. And um, he had been contacted to help them put together demos for the show um obviously they had all this amazing uh talent you know uh, yeah real like stage talent who was going to be in the show um so they didn't need us necessarily to do the voices for the actors but they needed to make sure that the songs were working and you know finish figuring out timing and uh and also just have like the ensemble vocals represented until they could figure out exactly what they were going to do with those and so uh so four of us uh just tracked up all of the the ensemble vocals and some of the uh, lead vocals as well, most of which were replaced. But um, I got weirdly lucky in that I sang a sort of step-out solo for someone who was not a lead character, and so my vocals actually stayed in the final. Oh, wow. So, um, so if you have seen the show, if you've seen. Uh, the third episode, cross that bridge, where uh, Keegan Michael Key tries to get out of Shmigagoon with every available woman in the city, <laughs> which is such a like male way of trying to get out of the problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's like rounds up all the women and is like, one of you is going to be my ticket out of here. Um, so there's so and of course that totally works. Yeah, it to- yeah. totally works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so there's, the song is sort of based on a couple of different songs, as a lot of the songs in Shmigadoon are, Uh, this one has a a, a strong reference point in um, Brotherhood of Man uh, from How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, where it's all the, you know, the guys in the office, and then the secretary comes in, this sort of like middle-aged secretary, who's like kind of operatic, but like, like not great opera singer, you know? Right. Woo-hoo, 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 that kind of like wobbly thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, she so, gets on a desk in the movie. The yeah, day. she like, oh, yeah, a,
2: has her moment on a desk. <laughs> so there's there's a townsperson who kind of has that vibe going. And uh, and so that's my voice coming out of someone else's face, which is always a weird thing, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah. I got really lucky that that stayed in there, but it was so much fun to, hear and learn all of the songs, you know, before anyone even knew that this was a thing. And being such a huge musical nerd and fan, um, seeing all of the, you know, the connections to songs from shows from the 40s, 50s, um, you know, it was very exciting. And I just knew that once musical fans got a taste of this, they were going to be completely hooked. Um, But then, yeah, so that was probably, I think that was like late August, early September 2020. And then probably, it was either November or December that year, so a few months later, um, Chris got a call that uh, they wanted him to interview for it. And they did not know that we were married.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so I had to confess to Cinco that I had already heard all the songs, which she looked absolutely horror-struck by it. And I had to quickly explain Oh God, we have a leak. <laughs> Yeah, we couldn't not listen to them together because they were so good, and it was also yeah. intriguing. Like who who did this? This is yeah. so funny. It's so funny and so well, and it and uh, but the songs don't feel like parody songs. They feel like right, they're, they're real songs that that have this comedic, wink wink, nudge nudge connection to things. So the the whole thing was just so intriguing, and we couldn't not listen to it all through and discuss it. Um, uh, but yeah, so so um so yeah, we we, we were hired uh completely independently of each other.
0: So, Chris, when you came up I just on have board, to say, oh, sorry, go a, ahead.
2: I was just say there's a funny thing that happened right around the time that he got hired for this or was about to start working on it where he was like, "Oh, you know, I've never like properly seen a lot of these old musicals and I, you know, I, I it would be really helpful to watch them and listen yeah. specifically to what the underscore is doing." Uh, And I was like, well, you don't have to twist my arm. Like, let's watch all the musicals. Um, But then at the same time, I was asked to do a Star Wars podcast where we were talking about like the use of choral music in Star Wars because I'd been involved in the last two Star Wars films. And um, (laughs) I had never seen the prequels, which is specifically what we were talking about. So I had to binge all the Star Wars movies (laughs) And Chris had to binge musical theater. So we were like completely <laughs> swapped from what we would no, normally do. so utterly
1: bizarre. I was binging her childhood and she was binging my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> completely completely utterly strange.
0: Well, uh, Chris, what, out of all the musicals you watched, what was one that stood out? What was one of your favorites?
2: I know what you're gonna say.
0: Um, oh, it has to be The
1: Music Man. Yeah. I oh yeah. I haven't seen The Music Man. I I, the Music Man I don't think is as much of a staple in the UK as it is in the States. Yeah, so I think had, so. I had, um, it had passed me by, it was a, it was a discovery of my forties. And it's just wonderful. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just perfect. Um, and- we
2: sang, by the way, we performed Till There Was You at his brother's wedding, which was <laughs> outdoors in the UK. Yeah. And I was like, we're gonna be fine, like there's nothing to worry about. And then it was so hot that day that my iPad overheated and oh, he no. didn't know the song because he didn't know Music Man. And he just started making chords up behind me and so I was like, what is he doing? I it's sort, like- sort of
1: imagine what would a song in E flat do in the middle? I don't know, I guess maybe A flat? No, no, I guess not.
2: I was like, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep singing and ignore what's happening behind me. But yeah, all the music just disappeared and we had to have someone like, <laughs> we next song, sitting on a bale of hay. Anyway, um yeah. yeah, but now that wouldn't happen because now he knows the music man. So there you go. Uh, we get asked to do that song. At the we'll next
0: wedding, you're good to go.
2: Right, right, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, the, I, I should say that the arrangers um, uh, of the song. So Cinco, Cinco wrote the songs um, himself, um, and that is uh, 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 both inspiring, inspiring and maddening because they're so good. Yeah, um, yeah. Hats off to him. He, it's amazing. Um, and and then he had a sort of New York-based team. Doug Besterman um, uh, arranging and orchestrating, uh, David Chase uh, also arranging and 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 MDing, and Scott Reset producing. And and I was very very lucky that they were so gracious to I, to sort of um, welcome me into that into that circle um, uh, because they all know this territory so incredibly well um, and they had scores of, uh, they had, you know, the, the PDFs of, of scores of those old movies, uh, yeah. which they were able to share with me and we were able to really start, um, start geeking out about the same kinds of things, you know, the, 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 the exact details of those old movies.
0: Absolutely. So, Chris, when you when you came on board, and now as a as a composer of the show, you had the songs there. What was your, I guess, process now for scoring the show? Did you work on any of the songs from the musical standpoint at all? Or did the Rangers kind of orchestrators take care of that, and then you just worked on the underscore? Or did you, how did you kind of make sure everything blended and worked
1: together? Um, there's the odd passage that you might think is a song. Uh, intro uh, which is actually me handing off just as the just as the singer enters but um, by and large if it feels like it's part of the song then it was actually done by the by the song team in New York um, uh, and all of the other all of the other stuff when people are talking and everything else um, is the underscore and that was and that was me but the the um, the idea the ethos was very much that same ethos of movie musicals from the 50s which is that the thematic material comes from the songs um and so a particular character might be just associated with their song and that's and that's that then becomes also their their orchestral theme um and so it required me to get to know the songs really really well um which is and what's interesting is i'll have to do that again for season two um it's not like everyone has their set theme from season one that i'm going to reuse we're gonna, we're gonna really just start completely again. So I had to really get to know the songs so that they felt very familiar. Um, I could sort of noodle them, you know, without, without too much effort. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Cinco and I were both on a bit of a voyage of discovery about what exactly we were going to do. Um, but I was realizing as Elise and I were watching all the, those old movies, how intricate they really are. They're more intricate and more um, single-minded in their use of the songs than I had realized. You know, if in a movie like Oklahoma, there's there probably isn't a single phrase of the whole of the underscore that doesn't relate in any way to any of the songs. It's it's always it's always got some connection. Yeah. And often it's 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 reaching to for, for different songs at different times. Even to the point mm-hmm. where you have multiple songs, two songs on top of each other or overlapping. Um, there's definitely a moment of, of me realizing they did that, and being like, "Oh God, this is, this is exactly what I Tinker I was going to want." And sure enough he did. It's like sitting there thinking about thinking about the contrapuntal combinations of the different uh, song melodies. Yeah. He
2: loves it. Finally. So that's exactly what he likes doing. But
1: that's yeah, that's the chest. That's, that's the puzzle, the challenge.
2: People yeah. pretending to complain about it, but really he's like, Finally I get to do this. <laughs> Be a huge <laughs> nerd. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's incredible. Congratulations to both of you. It's such an amazing job. And uh I really hope more people find Schmigadoon. It's it's just a wonderful, a wonderful great show. And then yeah, definitely check it out on Apple TV Plus and um so before we uh, wrap up, I would love to um, uh, ask both of you, kind of, if you look back at kind of the, all the work you've done together, is there a, a moment, like a song that you both worked on, or a piece of music that that really stands out that you both kind of look back on fondly, and like, oh, this is like this is just a great representation of the work that we can do together.
1: Oh gosh. Hmm.
0: Well-, well,
2: yeah, I might. I mean, I feel very fondly about everything that we've done. Um, the song that we did for the for the ride because there's a Mickey and Minnie ride at Disney World that's also being built at Disneyland right now. Oh, nice! Um, that's really that's exciting because that's a whole other like subset of Disney fans. Um, yeah, and not even you know the the shorts I think appeal to a lot of people, but you kind of have to go looking for them. You know, right. They're not they're not like it's not like the Mandalorian, right? Like you you need to want to see them. Okay. Right. Um, but if you go to Disneyland or you go to Disney World, you're just going to be plopped in front of this ride and be like, OK, yeah, let's do this. And then you hear the song and and all of Chris's amazing underscore and, you know, birds and mermaids that are voiced by me, which is a very bizarre experience riding through <laughs> a ride. And you're like, there's my voice, there's my voice, there's my voice. It's, very nice. it's so
1: weird for us. It, it makes us feel <laughs> like the whole ride is just this sort of. Homemade,
2: we just did like it a in pretend our home studio. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know,
1: during COVID there were those people posting videos of like doing Pirates of the Caribbean at home. You know, yeah, like a kid around the house on a sled. That's sort of yeah. how we feel when we go on the uh, Mickey Mouse Runaway Railway because it all just feels sonically feels like yeah, this homemade thing.
2: But um, but yeah, like talking to people who don't know anything about the shorts and then you say, oh, we did this, you know, the ride and they're like, oh, I love that song, that song's so great. And you're like, oh my God, they actually know it. Like people, I mean, it's, you know, it's not on the same level as Small World and Pirates and, you know, right. all that, but um, it's still part of that family and part of that tradition now, so. Just give it time, is-
1: it needs time, it needs time and it will exactly, be. Exactly,
2: yeah, it will get there. People have
1: started sending us pictures of You know, you can get a phone case that's got that says nothing can stop us now on it or or a T-shirt or a sweatshirt or a hat with mouse ears that have the lyrics on. Um, Definitely all kind of gives us a kick.
2: I was going to say, though, the other one that stands out is that Carried Away song I mentioned. That's the one with all the pens, but it was like the last. um, sort of regular episode of the short Mickey shorts, the three and a half minute ones. And it was one of the last things that Rusie Taylor recorded before she passed away. And she oh, was wow. the voice of Minnie, I think, for something like 32 or 33 years. Wow. And uh, it's she's basically singing a love song to Mickey. And in real life, she was married to the man who voiced Mickey oh, for, wow. how long did he voice? Like 15 oh, or 20 years, something yeah, like that. I uh, so you know, and, and he played ukulele. So they used to like perform together. She in the episode is, is singing and playing ukulele. Oh. So it was very much like a love letter to their yeah. relationship too. That's and so then sweet. It's so sweet. And so for that to be one of the last things she did uh, while she was with us is really, really special. And, you know, getting yeah. to be, getting, writing the song, but also being in the studio and recording it with her. And it just, yeah, it's a really special memory
1: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, i feel very fond of that one too for, yeah. for the same reasons and it, yeah I've, it did all seem to come together
2: i think the, i think the episode was released like the week that she passed away and it was oh, completely uh... coincidental um that that's how it happened so it just all felt very serendipitous and we're really lucky to get to work on that well there's yeah. an extra
1: room isn't there i think there had been some idea from uh from higher up at tva that maybe they could they could do an episode that was um, that felt like it was wrapping up. The shorts that would involve them going all the way around the world, um, and then the main team didn't really want to do it, or you know they thought maybe they if they did it, they would only do it in a bizarre way. And actually, that that is what happens um, due to various extremely strange cartoon forces. <laughs> they do end up going all the way around the world. Um, uh, so it's it's um but
2: it like wrapped it up in a way that no one could have anticipated wrapping right. it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it up Wraps it
1: up, but it's bizarre uh and it involves piranhas which also <laughs> i'm
2: trying to be yeah. like sentimental and you're like let's bring piranhas in no what i mean
1: is what i mean is it would be like inauthentic <laughs> If anyone the short, sure, it will be like inauthentic
0: for it to suddenly get all kind of sweet. That's true. It's Absolutely. Like, <laughs> so, uh, before we we sign off for the, for the evening, is there uh, anything they can talk about that's coming up? I know you're super busy, both of you, but I know we have to respect NDAs and everything. Was there anything they can share that we can look forward to? <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> whether it's whether it's both I of you guys I together or separately. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm about to start on Schmigge season two, and I haven't okay. seen anything yet, but each time I tell people that on Zoom calls, they all kind of laugh because they say that it's so amazing and so <laughs> crazy, so insane <laughs> that, that, I, that, that i yeah. They're, they're looking forward to me seeing it. Um, uh, yeah. It's, I really... don't
2: know if I can talk about anything. Yeah, let's I've keep,
0: like, yeah, I know. Let's keep everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, she's got I'll, some. She's got some great stuff going. I'll just
2: say that I'm feeling very fortunate because I've um, I've been given more opportunities to um, contract choirs, and just so thankful and yeah. super grateful that you know, post pandemic or whatever, whatever we're calling it now, right. um, that we we're able to get back into the studio and record together again. Um, so yeah, I'm very fortunate that I've been given some really fantastic opportunities and also starting to conduct a little bit in sessions, which is really exciting. And so uh, I wish I could tell you exactly what I've been doing. It's uh, I will just say it's um, it's pretty great. It's really well, I I think it's going to be an amazing series. Uh, I think people are really going to like it. The music is fantastic. The footage I've seen looks amazing. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I can say anything more than that, but um, there's yeah. you know there's really exciting things happening right now musically. Um, That's awesome. Well, I've we're, been we're all to sing a lot of great music recently, so like rock on we're just yeah
0: (laughs) absolutely and we're all looking forward to it you guys are doing such amazing work but together as you know husband and wife and separately in your own amazing careers and and i want to thank you so much for for taking the time to to chat tonight and give us all that insight i mean it's so fascinating especially with the shorts and and schmigadoo and that's i mean incredible stuff and uh, i also just want to give a quick shout out to impact 24 pr for helping us, you know, put this together for our series, and we can go to you can go to to check out the rest of our videos and in, in our series, and yeah, thank you so much, guys. It was such a pleasure.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It's great to see you.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks so much.
2: See
1: the, uh, yeah, we gotta beautiful?
0: we we need a cameo. We have to see who <laughs> who has been. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so small, but so loud. <laughs>
2: that's right. So this is De Niro. Oh, sorry. De Niro. <laughs> yeah. And this is Paddington. Yeah,
0: this is uh, Perfect name. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, De Niro, we don't know what you are. You're just...
0: Yeah, that's like a Chihuahua, like Rottweiler mix.
2: <laughs> I know, right? He looks yeah. like his coloring is kind of Rottweiler, but... Um, yeah, yeah,
0: our Terrier really mix cool. has weird kind of coloring, too. We rescued him in... Uh, dog yeah. rescue redondo beach somewhere so
2: <laughs> um he was a parvo survivor from oh wow Tijuana.
0: oh my god
2: um, yeah so he's been through a lot in his young life but now how old is he yeah. he's like four months
0: four months oh uh, yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah super young he's figuring it out aren't you buddy <laughs> yeah he's
1: yeah.